Nothing on the Bonnell Foundation's Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast should be considered medical advice. Medical advice can only come from your CF physician. Cystic fibrosis can be a devastating diagnosis, but living with the disease can bring positivity and a new appreciation for each day. From the Bonnell Foundation in Detroit, Michigan, it's the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast, sponsored by Beatrice, Genentech, and Vertex. Here's your host, Laura Bonnell. Mara Pitcha is a social worker at the University of Michigan Medical Center and has hosted CF Conversations for Adult CF Patients since the pandemic started. Mara is a licensed clinical social worker specializing in adjustment, grief work, trauma work, and patient and family-centered care for individuals and their families with chronic and life-limiting illnesses. Currently, she's a member of the University of Michigan Health System's pulmonary clinics. Mara provides social work and mental health support to persons with CF and other pulmonary diseases. She has over 20 years of hospice, palliative care, trauma adjustment, and grief-related experience. She is also working as a therapist supporting individuals with PTSD, history of abuse, and other traumatic loss. She is an adjunct lecturer at the University of Michigan School of Social Work Master's Program, and we are thrilled to have her. So thanks for joining us, Mara Pitcher. You're a social worker at the University of Michigan Medical Center, and I'm really excited to talk about the CF conversations that you started, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And first, tell us when these CF conversations, first of all, what they are and when they got started at the clinic. Okay. So they got started in the July timeframe of 2021. And the purpose of them was really to address the sense of isolation that a lot of people felt during the pandemic, especially people with cystic fibrosis who are used to living their lives from a standpoint of safety and not exposing themselves to things that may lead to an exacerbation of their cystic fibrosis. But one of the things that we learned overall about people during the pandemic is because we were, I guess you could call it in lockdown for some time, is that people tended to have increased anxiety, some increased depression, and just really struggled to cope with what was going on with the pandemic. So we wanted for our cystic fibrosis population to just open up a forum where people could connect with one another, which is why we chose the title of CF Conversations as opposed to some kind of support group. Because it's not that we... Support group sometimes has a pejorative feeling to it, like something's wrong with me, I need to talk to somebody. And that's not really what we were trying to do. We were just trying to say, hey, we all have something to offer one another. It's really important for us to stay socially connected during the pandemic. And so this was an opportunity for people to share, not just about their experiences during the pandemic, but in particular about the things that people with cystic fibrosis maybe had to think about more than people who didn't have a pulmonary chronic illness or something that could be very much adversely impacted by the pandemic. And I love the name CF Conversations, by the way. I think it's great and exactly expresses the purpose you were just talking about. But in the beginning of the pandemic, what were the things that people 
were conveying in these conversations, um, the fears, the anxieties, what was going on in the start? You know, it's interesting. The CF population is very diverse in every way you can possibly think of. So, you know, there were people who had extreme fears that, you know, they were going to get COVID and it was going to compromise them, that it may lead to their death. There were other people who were like, oh, it's going to be what it's going to be. I've learned to practice and live my life safely, and I'm just going to continue to do that. So I think it was a really, in the first couple of conversations we had, once people felt comfortable enough, I think those different opinions came out. So it was really good for people on both ends of the spectrum to hear what other people had to say about it. But I would say the predominant thing was fear, which I think was pretty much the same for just the general population. The difference is it gets heightened a little bit when you have a chronic illness or you're in an at-risk category, which basically people who have a CF were. There was a lot, too, if you look at some of the political overlays about masking, should it be required, should it not be required, those kinds of things. And I think that people wanted to talk about that. They wanted to talk about what was happening, how they felt about it when people didn't mask because it made them feel like they were being put at risk and not being understood or respected. And other people on the call would not be as upset about people who didn't mask. So there was that, just everybody's reaction to what you do in a pandemic, how we help take care of each other in a pandemic. We had a fair number of people on the call who had impacted their family in that a partner or a child or someone worked in the medical field. So they felt there was a heightened risk of people bringing COVID back into the home. A couple people on the call, actually, the partners in the relationship lived separately for six months or more during the pandemic. So people just really shared their life experiences around that and began to talk about how it was impacting them. And I think people got affirmation from one another, just that however you're feeling, however you're dealing with this is okay. And that was probably the most helpful thing. I just want to point out that it was on Zoom. I'm sure everyone is assuming that, but I just wanted yep. to point that out. And when you have so many people, maybe up to 12 people on Zoom, does everyone get a chance to talk? And how long does the conversations go? And do you cut it off? That's a really good question. So I think you always have to recognize that whenever you're in a group setting, that there are some people who they're engaged, but they don't necessarily feel the need to verbalize. And then there are other people who tend to have a lot to say, but you want to make sure other people have the opportunity. So we kind of reached an agreement. We never really went through the process of setting group rules or norms or any of that, but that was my role pretty much was just to facilitate and say, hey, we haven't heard from you, or I see you nodding your head. Would you like to contribute something? So really up to me to kind of scan everybody as best you can on Zoom and see if they f it looked like they had something to add and maybe they were reluctant to let somebody else know, hey, thanks so much for sharing. That was really great information. I want to give opportunity for other people to share as well. So yeah, I think that's a really important part. And 
you know, I'll acknowledge probably I get more anxious about it than the members because I really never noticed that the members would get upset if one person had a lot of airtime. They had an incredible grace for one another, you know, just recognizing that this was a safe place. And that's what a lot of people said is, you know, I can talk to all of you because you kind of know what it's like to be a person with CF during the pandemic, whereas my family doesn't even totally get it or things like that. So a real sense of, you know, just support for people and one another. Did other big issues come up during these conversations in the pandemic before we had the vaccine? Um, I think it was more about what are people thinking about the vaccine? Because there are some people in the CF community who chose not to be vaccinated. And so that is one place where I think I set some ground rules around, hey, look, we're going to be accepting of whatever anybody brings here, recognizing that we all deal with it differently. Um, We actually invited one of the CF physicians into an early on session to just talk about sort of what the science was saying, because, you know, in the beginning, we didn't know about the vaccines or, you know, what the expectations were. So the physician would come in and kind of talk about, here's what we're seeing in general. So in the general population, here's what we're seeing in the CF population. The CF Foundation, um, the national organization, sent out weekly stats on how many people with CF that are part of the national registry actually contracted COVID, what the death rates were. And actually, for the first 18 months, the rates for the CF population were much lower than the national average. Right, because everybody was isolating and wearing masks or not going out. And it was something they were used to doing, right? Right. Hand hygiene, distancing. I mean, all of that's part of what a person with CF normally does. So it wasn't new. It wasn't something they questioned so much. It was practices that were already in place. And their family did these same things. Right. Right. Because even prior to the pandemic, they didn't want to bring home the flu or anything else that could perhaps cause the person in their family to have some kind of CF exacerbation. You know, my other daughter, Molly, is in England. So it was Emily here during the pandemic. And we only it was the three of us. I mean, that was our world until the vaccine, because we didn't you know, there was so much unknown. And people always wanted to see those stats. They always wanted to know, like, okay, how is the CF population doing? I think it just gave them some sense of reassurance, you know, reassurance that even when people did get COVID, like the rates of death were lower than for the general population. So help them know, even if you do end up having some contact with COVID, you're likely going to get through it. Which was a beautiful surprise. And we still don't know why, correct? I mean, I think it's partly the medication, partly the way people with CF take care of themselves and the care that the CF physicians were giving them immediately. Right. I think it's all of those things. It's not any one thing in particular, but you're right. We don't totally know. Um, Sort of as the different mutations have come out, we have seen... People who get COVID and have CF, their rates are still lower, but it's approaching the norm now. 
And such a wonderful thing that you're able to witness this as a social worker. I mean, your interaction with your patients is so important. And then to see them all together, that's certainly a different way that you see them, right? As far as individually and then all together. How exciting is that for you? You know, I I always people say, oh, how can you do the work you do, et cetera, et cetera. You hear such difficult things. And I'm like, I got to tell you, it's so much more a privilege because you see, like, the to me, the beauty of the human soul and what people are able to find, the strengths they find in themselves, the strengths that they find in other people. So when we did CF Conversations, you know, that was magnified in some ways. Plus, you got a glimpse. You know, one of the things everybody says about Zoom is you tend to get a glimpse into people's personal lives just by whatever's in their background or when they're talking about, you know, worries about COVID, you know, they talk about their family and they talk about how it's impacted their family. So even though normally we get to know the folks who come to see us pretty well, this was even at a deeper level. And I think it helped because people who have CF are really safe to be in the same room all the time mm-hmm. unless they're related. You know, it was an opportunity to connect with other people with CF that they don't always get. Exactly. Yeah, I have been in, they have been called support groups with other CF parents. And it's so wonderful because you have so many like, yep, I get that. I get what you just said. I experienced this. You're just reaffirmed the things you're going through, right? Right. You know, and then at the same time, you ask for other topics in the group. So one of the topics that came up quite frequently was that a few months before the recognized start of the pandemic, a new CF modulator had come out. And so there was a lot of discussion around the modulator, the effects it was having, and that they couldn't really enjoy some of the effects because they were having to isolate because of COVID. They talked about how that was a little bit bittersweet, but it also gave them some more belief that if they did contract COVID, that they'd be able to get through it easier. So even in our country, it was a very interesting time for a lot of reasons. But for people with CF, you know, they had the pandemic, they had a new CF modulator, they had a lot of what was going on in our country politically and otherwise. And so a lot of conversations would stray into those areas. And I was just always really impressed with how respectful people were of opinions that might be different than their own. It is wonderful. It's wonderful that people had a place to go. I wanted to ask you, so it stopped at some point, is that correct? When it was it when the vaccines came out? Did your conversation stop? No, I think we ran pretty strong for about six months. And I think it was, you know, at the point where there was what I'll just call COVID fatigue. People were tired of isolating, tired of not being able to, you know, be around other people. So it met a social need as well as probably a, a mental health and healthcare need. And as we eased into, you know, we got closer to the start of 2022, people just didn't feel as much need for it. So we had fewer and fewer people attend. And so we kind of put it on hiatus for a while, um, I would say for most of 2022. 
And then at our clinic, we have a CF advisory board, which is made up of people on the clinical team and patients and family members who kind of help us know the people who are in the clinic, like what would be helpful to people who come to see us. One of the board members was actually a pretty regular participant in CF conversations. So he brought that back up and, you know, they asked that we restart it. So we restarted it at the end of 2022. Wonderful. So now you're full speed ahead again. I was seeing the notifications about it from people on Facebook and other social media places. So the excitement is there for the adult patients that you have at the University of Michigan. And do you plan to do the same thing or and do you meet every week? How does it go? So we meet once a month. It's the first Tuesday of the month from seven to eight. Same Zoom link every month. So people don't have to continually look for one. In the first meeting, a lot uh, I think three board members joined us just to get a feel. So, you know, and that meeting was interesting. I asked the people on the call to share with the board members things that they would like to see the clinic do. And then we talked about what would make CF conversations relevant for them. And when we initially did it, we often, not every session, probably every other session, we would invite a member of the clinical team to join for the first 20 to 30 minutes of our hour-long time together to just answer questions that people had or maybe give a short demonstration. And so people really liked that. So one of the things that we're trying to do this time is that every other month we'll have a member of the team join to answer questions or just to talk about different topics. You know, I usually ask the person who's joining the clinician to talk about something they think is really important from a CF health perspective or things that they're getting a lot of questions about in clinic. So that's one way we're hoping to keep interest up and that people can join, like, say, in January, our respiratory therapist, Becca, joined us in March. It's going to be Dr. Sisson, one of our physicians. And so if people don't really have questions for the respiratory therapist, maybe they join us late or they don't come to that conversation. We've had a lot of back and forth talk about, you know, should we focus in on certain topics? And the people who've come to those CF conversations have kind of said, no, not really. You know, other than having guest speakers, we'd really like to feel free to kind of float and go wherever we want to go. A lot of discussion when people started going back to work about whether the people on the call were going to go back to work and what those fears were like. Uh -huh. So allowing it to be more free-floating kind of allows us to talk about whatever's on people's minds in the moment. Um, one session focused on people who had friends or family members die from CF prior to this new CF modulator being available and what emotions that brought up for them and what that was like. We have a couple people who join who have CF, but they've had a lung transplant, so they can provide education to other people just about what that process was like. So I think there's a lot to be said for opening it up 
for people to talk about whatever's on their mind. And I would think, too, for the clinician, it's an educational part as well. I mean, same thing as I was saying earlier for you. If you're a clinician, you're not usually sitting around talking to all your patients or even some of these people are not the physical therapists or the doctor's patients. They're seeing new people. So I would think this is very helpful to them just on questions and thoughts of patients that maybe they hadn't thought of before. Yeah, I think for me, it kind of takes away that relationship that's like clinician to patient, and it's just more human being to human being. And what's it like for whatever? And that you get to really understand people and appreciate, like, as a social worker, things that maybe I didn't think about. You know, I know what it was like to go to work because I worked through the pandemic person to person with people and be a little bit worried about would I bring something home to my family. But never did I ever think about, well, my spouse and I will live apart for six to nine months. So to hear people talk about what that experience was like, you know, was incredibly eye-opening to me so that I could then ask people who come in to see us. I don't like the word patient, so I always struggle with not using that word um, because I don't like to see people labeled as patients. But So when they came in, I would make more of a point of asking not just how have you been doing during the pandemic, but what's this been like for your family? Because one of the other things that came up a lot is as we've kind of eased out of the really strict precautions is like, is it safe for our family and for me, for my children to resume their social activities like play soccer or be in choir where there's more risk that they may bring something home and how families navigated through that. So, you know, questions that because it's not my experience, I maybe don't think to ask. Did people who had transplants talk about the risk of the vaccine not working for them because of all the medications they're on. In some cases, it didn't work for some people, but I don't know if that was a topic at all. I don't remember anybody talking about that. They talked more about being concerned how the vaccine, when they were new and we didn't have a lot of research behind them, how it might interact with other medications they were taking because they're on so many different kinds of meds post-transplant and really talking about how, because of the meds they take, their immune system is suppressed how much more susceptible they felt to possibly getting COVID. So that's what came up for them a lot. And so the CF conversations that you're holding once a month at U of M, they sound so fabulous. When you do one for the parents, I'm in. Let me know. I would love one for us. That's really good to hear because I've talked about, should we do something for family, not specifically for parents, but for family members that just allow them to get together and talk about what it's like to be a family member of somebody who has CF and what that experience is like, what have they found helpful? Because I think unless they've joined forums and there are national forums and things out there for family members, you know, it's kind of a lonely experience. And I think what's really hard is transitioning from pediatric to adulthood. I think that is something I would still love to talk about. And my kids are 25 and 28. But it's really hard because it is a family disease. And then all of a sudden, it's a completely different 
experience. And every single mom from Michigan to California and some dads that I've talked to said it was traumatic for them because you feel you're not part of it anymore. When you're 100% part of it, it's really hard and you're helping them grow in the insurance angle of it all too and to handle that and then you're their backup because my girls do very well on their own, but I am their backup. So yeah, I would love that. So that's great. I would love to talk to you more about what you think would be helpful and how to advertise that, like how to make sure we can get the word out about that. You know, the other thing that we've talked about is, do we open up um, CF conversations to just anybody who has CF, which is fine. Like at this point, anybody who has CF and wants to join us, that's terrific. I think that it doesn't matter which clinic you belong to. It's in some ways a universal experience for those people who have a CF. But yeah, you get on a really important thing, both a transition for parents when people go from the peds clinic to the adult clinic, but just those years from like 17 to 25 when young adults who have cystic fibrosis are, you know, just naturally searching for their own independence, but have had so much support from their parents in sort of navigating this disease and coping with this disease. And, you know, we could do a whole nother podcast on with that. And we're going to with you. That's a tough transition, I think, for everybody. I see so many variations of how families navigate that. It's not like there's a right or a wrong, but there's many different ways. Well, and you've given me a great idea, too, which we'll talk about more about. You know, we applied for a grant to get a therapist so that we could do something monthly, but we don't necessarily need a therapist to moderate. We could have conversations, like you said, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a support group. So I've learned already so much from you in this short amount of time. Now that you have things going again on Zoom once a month, how's the response and what's everybody talking about? Um, so a lot of the same people who originally joined us have joined. We've had a couple new people. So we're trying to build the response. We're trying to do a better job of reminding people we're meeting and here's what's going on. But I feel pretty good about what's happening so far. I think a lot of the discussion now has been around just what life's like now and is this our new normal? How do we navigate the new normal? A lot of discussion about people who've either been asked to return to work by their employers or people who've said, I'm not going back to work, even if they ask me to. So that's still been a pretty big focus because there's still a lot of caution for folks because we continue to have flare-ups of COVID. Some people have gone back to work. They don't seem to be worried at all. We've had more people on the call who've actually, either they or a family member that lives with them has had COVID, and so how they've navigated that whole thing. Um, so that's been a couple of the initial ones. When the respiratory therapist joined us just during the pandemic, a lot of people, the foundation made it available for us to give people home spirometers. Uh -huh. So to check their spirometry. And so a lot of conversation about 
differences between what their home spirometry results were and what they see in clinic and how that can freak them out a little bit because these folks know, like they know what their FEV1 is and they don't like it when they see a little dip. And, you know, there can be a difference between what the home spirometer says and what happens when they come into clinic for PFTs. Right. So... Well, I think your program is amazing. And in the show notes, all the contact information will be in there. And I thank you for doing this and for talking with us on this podcast and letting everyone know I think you're doing great work. And it's obviously helping so many people. Anything else that you wanted to mention about the program? You know, just reiterate what I said that this isn't therapy or counseling. This is just an opportunity for you to connect with people who have maybe some experiences similar to you, for you to help other people who might be going through a difficult time. And so just expand your social networks a little bit and think about joining us and bringing your voice to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Mara Pitcher, social worker at the University of Michigan, thank you. Thank you. The original music in this podcast is performed by Kevin Allen. It's not complicated. Who happens to have cystic fibrosis. We all got our worries and fears. I know what got you frustrated. But loving you is so all right. This has been the Living with Cystic Fibrosis podcast. For more information and to learn more about the Bonnell Foundation, visit our website at thebonnellfoundation.org. That's the B-O-N-N-E-L-L foundation.org. This podcast was sponsored by Beatrice, Genentech, and Vertex. It was produced by Jag and Detroit Podcasts. Follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now.